with the scent of potpourri. Films we commit to memory. Crossing the felt ropes. Watching from home on my TV. Looking at all my eyes can see. They tell me I view obsessively. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a weekly podcast that reviews one or two new release titles every episode with an occasional free-for-all segment at the end that we call Potpourri. You can find more of our work, including written reviews, full episode show notes, and the complete backlog of our episodes at obsessiveviewer.com. You can also write into the show by emailing me at matt at obsessiveviewer.com. And if you'd like to support us and get access to hundreds of exclusive episodes, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer, where you can get access to content on any of our tier levels on a recurring monthly subscription basis, or you can buy individual collections a la carte in the Patreon shop section. Uh, this week on the Patreon, I am continuing my Flanagan Fridays uh, episode series. I think I'm on episode four of Hill House, um, or maybe episode five at this point. I'm not sure. Time is a construct. Um, and then on Saturdays, I'm doing Sci-Fi Saturdays, uh, continuing pressing on through a very disappointing Foundation season two on Apple TV Plus. And, uh, and I also have a bunch of uh, Criterion Channel-centric Patreon potpourri episodes that are full-length episodes of me talking about four movies from Criterion Channel. Um, and the most recent one, I started a, a kind of noir series. So this week, uh, or last week, uh, by the time you guys are listening to this, uh, I reviewed Detour, Green for Danger, Brute Force, and the original Nightmare Alley, which unfortunately is leaving or has left uh, Criterion Channel as of the day that this drops on February 1st. <laughs> so once again, you can sign up at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer for all that and a bunch more content. I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and you can find me on social media, including Letterboxd at obsessive viewer. And in our featured review this week, we'll be reviewing the musical remake Mean Girls, which opened in theaters on January 12th. And for this week's secondary review, we'll be reviewing the new sci-fi thriller ISS, which opened in theaters on January 19th. And joining me tonight to do that is my friend and IFGA colleague, Brent Luthold, who can be followed on Letterboxd uh, at letterboxd.com slash awakenthedark and uh, find his reviews and podcast at awakenthedark.com. Welcome back to the show, Brent. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. This is your first episode appearance on in 2024 on the Obsessive Viewer podcast. So uh, I'm glad to have have you on for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm very very pleased to to have you on. It's always it's always a treat. Um, of course. And uh, recently, like, this is your first episode, this is your first guest spot on The Obsessive Viewer on, in 2024, but you have been busy. Um, you had reviews of ISS, Mean Girls, The Beekeeper, and you had a write-up on your top 10 movies of 2023. So how how are things going at Awake in the Dark? I, I should kind of ask, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's gone well. Yeah, still, uh, yeah, we're, you know, I don't think this January has been too bad in terms of releases i mean we'll talk right. about a couple of them but you know i think people tend to think of january as kind of a, a graveyard it certainly mm -hmm. can be um i feel like it hasn't been too bad and i'm i'm sort of in that spot where i sort of have my watch list prepped for like the next like 
four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have like Dune in like March, early, like March yeah. 1st or whatever. But like even February, there's some <clears throat> stuff I'm like excited for. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, I, I think, I think it's, it's already, it's, you know, there, there's not as many bad releases as I would have expected. And uh, Beekeeper was kind of a pleasant, yeah, surprise, pleasant surprise. Nice. Yeah. yeah I have not seen Beekeeper yet, but I am going to be reviewing it next week on the podcast. Um, Along with Argyle, uh, which is interesting because, like, I've been doing this whole, like we were talking before the show, we've I, I've been doing this whole um, main review and secondary review. Usually, the secondary review is a streaming title. This uh, this episode and next week's episode, we're going to be doing two theatrical releases um, for both reviews. So I think it's 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 interesting how like deceptively strong uh, the movie the the Cineplex has been uh so far this year in 2024 um i think beekeeper is doing pretty well i don't know if it's something where it'll be pvod like in february Mm -hmm. um it could be i don't know i read something that like i read a headline that i should have internalized more because i forget exactly (laughs) what it was but basically like the majority of christmas releases or things Mm -hmm. that came out in december are going to be pvod this month or are oh wow so that's like whatever uh silent night uh ferrari is going to be mm-hmm. tomorrow uh, sorry i know this is gonna drop on the first so right. <laughs> uh you know basically well by the time you're listening a lot of these i think i think will be so um mm-hmm. I, you know it's just the w- way stuff is is changing stuff yeah hit, um rental even though it's expensive 20 dollar rental but stuff tends to hit that tier quite a bit quicker right and I should say that Patreon supporters have access to this episode on January 29th. So if you guys are on there Patreon, you you're hearing it then. But uh, but yeah, but it's it's interesting. It's it's been interesting um, in terms of movies, and it's funny. <laughs> like uh, we talk about like slow, like uh, short release windows and and moving to PVOD and everything. But like I'm judging from the box office results, I'm not a hundred percent sure that ISS won't be in POVD when you guys are listening yeah. to this. <laughs> Crash and burn. Yikes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which we'll talk about that later, but yeah, it's it's uh it's something. Um yeah, yeah. Uh what what all do you what, like what do you have coming out on Awake in the Dark like in terms of what's on the docket for you to review and uh uh and and what's what's to come? If if Aubrey gets her voice back this month, we're going to do a top 10 episode. Nice. <laughs> That's nice. really all I can say <laughs> in terms of the podcast. Uh, nice. In terms of reviews, I know my my next one coming out will be uh, Orion in the Dark, which I, mm-hmm. I have already seen. Uh, really enjoyed a lot. I think I, I I know reviews are embargoed, but I think general reactions. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Sorry but, to advance Netflix for your upset about me saying I liked Orion in the Dark. But, well, here's the thing. Um, like, I think, I think it comes out. Does it come out February 1st? Um, February 2nd, February so. 2nd. Okay. Yeah. So, you right. know, the, by the time this is out, you know, Oh, that's uh, right. By the time this is yeah, out. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry. See, I'm, I'm used to, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, exactly. yeah, so I can spoil it all away. And yeah. Say, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't, but it's no, <laughs> I, I really liked it a lot. Um, so nice. that'll be my review coming out the week of February 26th, I think. And then after nice. that, yeah, I'm going to be meeting the real agent Argyle. Yes. Yes. That. Any theories? Who do you think the real agent Argyle is? Taylor Swift. Oh yeah, that is yeah. that's the that is the that's number one right. that's... thing that uh, <laughs> yeah. the people were speculating because she was like seen with Matthew Vaughn like for four seconds somewhere. Oh was, like, Jesus! Oh. 
There you go. Yeah. So. Yeah. It would be great if it was Travis Kelsey. Oh, that would be amazing. If Travis Kelsey was the real agent Argyle. <laughs> yeah. I know that there that were like rumors or like fan theories, like Swifty theories, I guess, that uh like she like maybe Taylor Swift is the one who wrote the book. The like the like cause they have like they have a copy okay. of the book out that's like like ghost written. It says like it's written by Ellie Conway, who's the character in the movie. Oh, um, I see. Okay. And they're like, oh, did Taylor Swift write this? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Taylor Swift. She wrote this book. Yes. During, you know, this massive tour, all of the stuff, romancing the, the NFL. She's going to. Yeah. Yeah. She ghost wrote a book for Matthew Fawn's movie. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. I didn't even realize that was that. I thought the, the, the uh, theory was that she was just in the movie, but wow, that oh, she no. had time to ghost write a book. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the, the, this fiction of this fictional character. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, uh, I don't think that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I don't want to get canceled by the Swifties. So I'm sure she <laughs> did. She probably did uh, write the book. She, she did it all. Yeah. Yes. I would be fine with her being, I don't, who knows i don't know i don't really know much about this movie other than yeah. i've seen the trailer 647 times and a lot of famous it, people are in it yes so. yes i will say that this is so dumb uh i will say this that if it turns out that taylor swift is in the movie i'm gonna go to the roof of the theater and i'm gonna do a leapa off of it um <laughs> so dumb <Dua> a <laughs> we know she's in it yes yes <laughs> But but yeah, it was something interesting. Well, uh, I was gonna probably save this for the Mean Girls review, but um, I I was kind of surprised when like I saw the trailer for Argyle before Mean Girls, and it's like it's like you know on Wednesdays we wear pink, but today we're wearing whatever the color scheme for Argyle is purple, I think. Um, and it's like like they made the tra- like they twisted the trailer around to be Mean Girls ish, which I thought was kind of clever. Um, huh. Yeah. Italian. Wait, so is who is okay. I don't even want to do the mental <laughs> gymnastics. I know Paramount did Mean Girls. I don't know who's putting out Argyle. Um somehow there's synergy synergy there. Yeah, yeah, because I think I think Apple Films. Yeah, they're distributing it after they're doing okay. the peekaboo thing like Killers mm-hmm. of the Flower Moon and uh gotcha. Napoleon. Yeah. Like it'll be on there at some point. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. By the time that's, this is airing, we might know when uh, Napoleon's going to be on Apple That's TV+. true. That is one hell of a triple feature, too. Napoleon, Killers <laughs> of the Flower Moon, and Argyle. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know how you watch those. Probably Argyle in the, in the middle, maybe? I'm not sure. Probably. A, a little bit of a palate cleanser. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but before we get to the review, like I said, we're going to be reviewing Mean Girls 2024 and ISS tonight. Um, but I do have a couple of quick like news items that I wanted to bring up that are obviously going to be a week old by the time you guys are listening to this. Um, but, uh, over a week old at that, but, uh, currently right now, Sundance is dancing and Sundance, um, and the couple of things have come out about uh, some acquisitions from there or some purchases. Uh, two that jump out to me that I wanted to kind of talk, talk about is that uh, I'm just going to read the headline from, I think, Variety. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg, Kieran Culkin, Sundance comedy drama, A Real Pain, sells to Searchlight for $10 million. Uh, uh, Brent, is this movie on your radar? I know that you do like some virtual Sundancing. Are you doing that this year? 
Um, I really only got a ticket for one. Mm-hmm. Um, the the movie Love Me. That's the one mm-hmm. with uh, Stephen Yoon and and Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Um, a Real Pain was available to stream as well. I kind of just decided like i don't know like one or the other in mm. the past i've done virtual passes where you can do like you can do like a bundle of, of like five or ten mm-hmm. uh films but this year it was just really limited in terms of uh. what they were uh, allowing to be streamed so the stuff i was really most interested in um i don't know love lies bleeding uh i saw the tv glow is what it's called oh, I think. yeah you know like the the ones that I mean, quite frankly, the ones that I think were the most notable titles, mm-hmm. um, the majority of them just were not able to, uh, weren't available to to stream. And um, Love Me and uh, A Real Pain both sold out. Okay. Um, I was able to get tickets for, for the former, but nice. not the latter. But um, yeah, I don't really know what's going on there in terms of like why they aren't allowing, I mean... It's 25 bucks a ticket. Like, yeah. it's not the cheapest thing in the world. Like, right. I don't really understand. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes of securing those streaming rights, but like, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, like, I don't know if they're worried about piracy, but like, yeah. it's watermarked. These, these are for consumers, by the way. Like, we're used to it for right. screeners. Yeah. But like, these are, these are watermarked. It's like screeners. There's like a pretty specific window. Jeez. Like it's funny if you want to get a sense of what uh, like like critics or like film critics go through in terms of screeners, mm. go buy a go buy a, a Sundance like streaming ticket because it's pretty <laughs> yeah. similar. You have a viewing window. It's like watermarked wow. and like yeah, it's on all the stuff. So I didn't realize they nothing watermarked I don't, it. Yeah, and it's like, and again, I don't care. They, it's their product. If they want to take those yeah. uh, extra steps to protect it, totally cool with that. But. Sorry, if you don't make the films available, like I'm not gonna. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I ended up just doing like a a twenty five dollar one for for Love Me, and that's it. And uh, so that'll be available. I'll watch that later this week. Nice, um, nice. But yeah, there's other stuff. I mean, there's mm-hmm. reviews coming out, and I'm like, that looks great. I would probably pay twenty five bucks a ticket for that. Oh yeah, there's but... <laughs> there's a ton of stuff that, that have yeah. like very much piqued my interest. I have like I've been adding them to my watch list on Letterboxd and everything, so that when they do become available down the road, hopefully. Um, uh, like I'll I'll remember that. Oh, I was interested in this in in January, but I've slept since then. So, um, yeah. But this movie sounds really interesting, though. Uh, a real pain. I really like Kieran Culkin. Did you ever watch Succession? No, I still haven't seen that show. I know it's okay. like the best show of all time, but yeah, yeah I just that's <laughs> one of those that I just that's in that category of kind of tough to convince Aubrey on that mm-hmm. one. Because everyone, my understanding is that one's pretty mean to each other. Yeah, like you watch like like we we've watched Breaking Bad, we've watched mm-hmm. Better Call. Like we, we watch. It's not like we watch only like fluffy stuff. But mm-hmm. if it's shows where like everyone's mean to each other and trying to grab power and money, like I don't know. Like at least Breaking yeah. Bad, you know, he started out as Mr. Chips. And right. That's what he at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone is. Anyway, I, I'm interested in the show. I would definitely mm. watch it. Maybe she will too. I'm not sure. But yeah, I have not seen it. But I've seen Kieran Culkin pop up here and there. Yeah. He was very briefly in an episode of Swarm. Oh, Prime. okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with, uh, you know, with the prosthetic and you mm. know, you kind of figure it out from there. Okay. Uh, this was like one epi- <laughs> one part of one episode. It was really, that was funny. Oh, but wow. Yeah, he's, he's cool. I mean, yeah. And it seems like he has uh, really great crime. Did Jesse Eisenberg uh, direct A Real Pain as well? Yes. I think he may okay. have written it as well. Um, okay. 
Yeah, but uh, yeah, I but saw yeah. when uh, when you when you finished saving the world, I saw mm. that at Sundance, which he also. Uh, yeah, I yeah. missed that one. Um, yeah, so I I never got around to. Did that ever like sell anywhere or get uh, A twenty four bought it. Okay, it I think came out. I think it came out like the following January. Oh, so that's the other thing with this, like okay. watch list stuff. That's a good idea. Cause this stuff, like I, there's stuff I've seen at Sundance that's never come out and I'm not talking about mm. like magazine dreams, which that's a different right. story, but <laughs> yeah. like, uh, like a little prayer for instance, uh, mm. which is a solid movie with, uh, David Strath, Aaron and, um, Jane Levy. Um, that's, I think Sony pictures classics picked up, but it still, I don't think has been like really released. Dang. Um, so, and that was from January of 23. I was mm. from last January, basically. And it still hasn't really been released. Um, wow. And yeah, so some, I think that, I think uh, when you finished Saving the World, it was one they delayed quite a bit before releasing. Okay. Um, but it got okay. a pretty small release. Mm. I liked it. I mean, it's nothing revelatory, but uh, uh, Julianne Moore and um, Finn Wolfhard. Nice. Yeah, Mother, Son. Ah, okay. Nice. Yep. Um, the other thing that came out of Sundance is that just today it was announced that Netflix bought a thriller called It's What's Inside in a huge $17 million sale. Um, is this, is this on your radar at all? Do you know anything about it? I don't think so. I, if you say that title, I think of, um, oh, Neon had a horror movie yeah. last year that just, um, what's it called? It Lives Something... Inside. It lives inside. What, yeah. what's, what did you say? Uh, uh, um, it's what's inside. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, yeah. that's going to be a nightmare for this guy, right? <laughs> I can't do that. Okay. Yeah. It's what's inside. It's okay. what's inside. It lives inside. And I think, yeah. wasn't there like another like inside? Well, Bo Burnham's inside. Um, and then, Willem Dafoe is in a movie called Inside. That's right. Jesus. Yeah, which, is, which I didn't particularly care for, but that is another one that came out, I think, last <laughs> year or maybe two years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this movie, It's What's Inside, the reason why I uh, kind of bring it up is that it sounds interesting. It's from a first-time filmmaker named Greg Jardin. Uh, it is set at a pre-wedding party that descends into an existential nightmare when an estranged friend shows up with a mysterious suitcase. Um, so no idea what any of that means, but... Um, nice. But yeah, but Netflix bought it, so they're going to. I guess the deal is that they're going to put put it straight to streaming. They're not going to screen it in theaters or anything. Um, and I guess Coleman Domingo uh, executive produced the movie, so that's uh, interesting. Right um, on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good good news about you know Hitman getting finally getting released from Netflix. Uh, oh June, yeah, that's right. Early June or whatever June it is, they just 7th, released the I trailer. Think. Yeah, and that was one that I think they acquired. At can or something oh wow which was yeah. like last june so that's another one where it's like again i don't know anything about the business strategy behind this stuff right a lot of these acquisitions like they, they take they take months and months to, to finally actually drop yeah so. yeah i'm i'm looking forward to that because i do i really like glenn powell um and in richard linklater also um mm-hmm. but it's interesting i was listening to uh like a podcast earlier today and they were talking about glenn powell and how uh, they were talking about how like, oh, he looks like a movie star. Like he's like, he's like, he's very, like he has that presence and he's just so like, he's so effortlessly charming and like, uh, and, and he's just so very talented in everything he does. And I'm like, yeah, it is a big burden. 
it is a big burden to have those qualities. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, but no, what but does that guy often act say? Try looking like me and smelling like Cheetos. Then see how <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, but yeah, I I am a huge fan of, of Glenn Powell, though. Um, shout out to the rom-com set it up. I, I love it. Um, yeah. Nice. Well, and I, I'm thinking of it now that we're talking about it. He was in another Richard Linklater movie, Everybody Wants Some. Yeah, that is in, that is my, that is one of my, uh, uh, my Dickie Linklater blind spots. Uh, I have not seen Everybody Wants Some. Um, no, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of Linklater, and this can be the last news piece because I don't want to talk about Jurassic World or uh, the Oscar nominations that are coming out tomorrow that will be two weeks old by the time you guys listen to this. Um, but locally, here in Indy, apparently, um, I need to look and see, but apparently on February 10th and the 14th, the Can Can Theater is going to be, uh, is going to have like screenings of the entire Before Trilogy. Um, and you can even, oh, nice. yeah, and you can even buy like a triple pass, like pass, triple feature pass, um, which I probably won't go to that. I still have not seen any of the before trilogy. Um, but I think it would be kind of fun to make that like, like a day, like make a day of it, go see three of them, all three of them in the theater, um, <laughs> in the theater yeah. alone on Valentine's day. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you'll meet someone who knows. I know. Yeah. The, I know the, well, I know before sunset, which is the second one is I think under an hour and a half. Oh, nice. Um, before sunrise. I'm not sure exactly how long that is before midnight. I know is the longest of the three. Okay. But that's like a relatively, the, the structure of those movies and kind of how they move. I, I think that would actually be a pretty reasonable, like, like triple feature if you did intermissions in between them or whatever yeah um I it'd be kind of like cool to see them back to back because i mean people probably right listening know but they made each of those movies nine years apart and it's um ethan hawk and uh, julie delpy those characters basically mm-hmm. how they develop um yeah link later loves his <laughs> time-based stuff <laughs> he does he does so um and i'm gonna make a very stupid joke here but um <laughs> But like, I don't know anything about the tone of the movie. Well, I know, I know somewhat of the tone of the movies and everything, but I've got to assume that Before Sunrise is probably, uh, is probably the grittiest version of it because it's always darkest before the dawn. That's right. Um, yeah. It is. It's a dark film. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so, uh, so if you guys are still listening, let's go ahead <laughs> and go into, uh, our first review of the evening. Um, uh, any uh, before we do that, any thoughts on anything that we've talked about before we go into the featured review? I don't, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, Oscar nominations are coming out tomorrow, but yeah. you're right. By the, the time <laughs> yeah. they'll already been by, dissected. Do you want to make times on... any like guesses so that people can <laughs> listen to this when it comes out and think, "Oh, okay, Brent, Brent is a genius." <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, yeah, it's pretty much already out there what's going to get nominated. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I just, I'm I'm so burnt out on, like, I here's, like, I think part of the reason why I'm just not that interested in, like, Oscars or award season, like that in terms of tracking awards nominations and everything, is that, like, at this point, like, like I feel like I'm already 
in the thick of 2024 it's like yeah let's celebrate movies from 2023 that's great but like i don't want to i don't want to like dissect how many nominations this movie that i saw two months ago gets when i have when i have beekeeping to attend to Um, right yeah 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 apiary uh yeah duty's call that's (laughs) the thing is like and you probably feel this way too like i know Mm. you just recorded a top 10 episode like Mm. you probably feel like it's kind of when you kind of have your word on it, the book's kind of closed. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's kind of like, yeah, well, and especially, like I said, like there's some, to me, like review or uh, releases that I'm like interested in, in 2024. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I kind of feel the same way. It's kind of like, Oh, this again. It's like, yeah, I already know I love Oppenheimer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's oh, yeah. like, you know, we're going to be hearing about it until uh, the Oscars in March or whatever. Yeah, it's March, like, it's great. Think, yeah, yeah. It's like, good. Give it all the awards. But I, yeah, anyway, so yeah. I, I hear you on that one. Yep. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and go into what is surely going to be the uh, best picture winner for the 2025 um, Academy yes. Awards. Mean Girls. <laughs> Better be. So, yes. So we are going to, of course, do a non-spoiler and spoiler review for Mean Girls. I'll have a, uh, a timestamp in the show notes, which can be found at obsessiveviewer.com slash OV413 or in your podcast app of choice. Um, but yeah, so we'll do a non-spoiler review and then play a clip from the trailer and then go into spoilers. So uh, to kind of give some background, Mean Girls is the musical remake of Mean Girls 2004. Uh, the premise is Katie Heron is a hit with the plastics an A-list girl click at her new school but everything changes when she makes the mistake of falling for Aaron Samuels the ex-boyfriend of alpha plastic Regina George uh, directors for this movie were Samantha Jane and Arturo Perez Jr. writer was Tina Fey and I have a couple of these names spelled out phonetically after looking on YouTube for pronunciation but the cast includes and Gary Rice Renee Rapp uh, Ali Kravalov, fuck, <laughs> and uh, Jacquel uh, Spivey. Uh, so Brent, let's get us kicked off with this review with our, uh, let, let's talk briefly about 2004's Mean Girls. How did you feel about that movie? Are you a fan? And what were your uh, expectations going into uh, this musical endeavor? Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the original one. I feel like I was when it came out, even though it's like, like I was 15 at the time. Mm. So it's kind of like, oh, well, like, I don't even remember if I saw it in theaters, to be honest. Um, but you're still kind of of that, like, oh, I don't know if I want to see a girl's movie sort of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but whenever I saw it, probably soon after, um, I, I really enjoyed it because it's extremely funny. It's very witty and it is true to a certain version of high school and probably um probably for like girls probably like the female experience i think there are there are definitely things in that movie that are probably still true uh you know 20 years on and maybe Mm. will forever be be true um so yeah i'm I'm a huge uh fan of that movie um yeah i i didn't see the sequel oh i forgot (laughs) that there was a sequel (laughs) jesus um which apparently is just like totally different people and yeah, directed DVD. I think it's one of those directed DVD things. Um, I was aware that there was a Broadway musical, didn't know any of anything about it, didn't know any of the music or anything like that. Um when I heard about the movie, I knew that it was a musical, but I didn't really put together that it was like basically an adaptation of the Broadway musical. Yeah. Um, so like that's kind of 
so when I saw this, I was like, oh, okay, 20 year cash grab. Got it. Like, I understand <laughs> that. But then I was like, oh, okay, so they're adapting the musical. And then I was like, wait, I know people like Mean Girls 2004, but are there a bunch of fans of the musical that were clamoring <laughs> for, for, the, for the musical to be on film? So that's kind of where I stood going into this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Cause like I wasn't, I, I, I was uh, kind of peripherally aware of the musical. I, I don't think like I gathered from obviously from the trailers that this was basically a retelling of the story. Um, so it's nothing like new or unique in terms of the actual plot. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Cause like, you would think that if the movie or the, if the musical was big enough to warrant a feature film, you know, adaptation of that musical, you know, they would maybe also do like, just like, uh, like what they did with Hamilton on Disney plus, like do the musical in there. But I don't know, hmm. this, this is a weird, a weird movie for me. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. like you, I loved the 2004 movie. Um, I was, Ooh, I was like, what, 17? Uh, I was, I was like probably a junior in high school. I graduated in 2005 and math is not my strongest suit, but, um, yeah. So like junior year of high school, just about, but one of the things that I really loved about the original Mean Girls is that it is this very clever deconstruction of, you know, high school cliques and the kind of culture of high school and with the like with a uh, feminine perspective. Um, mm. But in addition to that, like the way that it, it utilizes the character of Katie being someone who is out of her element and grew up like in Africa and she views like the caddy nature of the plastics and everything through the lens of wildlife and, in like in, in, mm -hmm. you know, the jungle or whatever. And like that's really interesting to me, the way that it it the way that it is portrayed in the two thousand four movie, and then this movie just is fine, but it's also it, it the struggle is that it kind of feels like it's it's two hours of trying to justify why this thing exists <laughs> um, for me. Um, yeah. And it doesn't really succeed at that. But um, but yeah, so that's a roundabout way of kind of talking about where I was at going into this movie. Um, let's talk about the movie and non-spoilers itself, which is kind of goofy because I don't think you can really spoil the movie that much. But uh, It'd be pretty much spoilers for, for Mean Girls 2004. Exactly. It's really plot for, I mean, uh, beat for beat. Mm -hmm. Um it extremely similar. Yeah. 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 At at several points it feels like it is just it's it's checking those those like iconic lines off of a off of a checklist, but it's funny because from what I understand like I know Renee Rapp was on it was in the Broadway production and mm -hmm. it's just like she does she does a good job. Like she's very good in this, but it just feels like it feels like it's a bunch of people cosplaying the 2004 movie <laughs> mm -hmm. and it yeah, just absolutely. doesn't feel, it just feels like a little bit 
lifeless, I guess would be the word that I would, I would use. How did you feel about it overall? Yeah. And for like a little more context, so this is one that Paramount was originally going to put on Paramount plus. Mm. And then they, so this is a similar kind of track that smile took, okay, which is in 20, September 22. Mm -hmm. So basically that was a small budget. I think that was like a Blumhouse thing. And that was one they were going to put on Paramount plus and it tested well enough um, at their screenings that they decided to say, you know, like, well, let's bump it up and do a theatrical release. Yeah. And that movie did really, really well. Yeah. It's getting a sequel so, this year. <laughs> oh, there you go. Smile yep. again or whatever. <laughs> um, smile wider? I don't know. Anyway, so... <laughs> smile, dollar um, sign. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, so with this one, I think it was a similar kind of track. Uh, to be honest, I was thinking during this movie with that in the back of my mind, like, yeah, this probably would have played better on Paramount Plus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's just like, you know, it's it's just sort of kind of made to be one of those tiles that you kind of scroll past and I'm like, oh, this is pink. Yep. Um, so at some point they decided this is this is like a big, big league thing. And yeah, I think the miscalculation with this really comes down to misjudging the clamor for Mean Girls the musical. Yeah. Because I don't think it's really there. And so you're kind of there and you're like, okay, well, here we go. This is a movie based on a musical that's based on a movie that's based on a book. So right there, you're kind of like, oh boy, try, please do something new. Yeah. Like not That's not that they're not going to go that route. And so I'm like, okay, well, at a certain point, I was just, we were like 10 minutes in and I was like, why didn't they just do a Gen Z version of Mean Girls? Yeah. Like that would have, maybe that wouldn't have been a good movie either, but like, at least it would have been something. Mm-hmm. I probably would have had like, whatever, I would have had my my issues with it in terms of the cash grab aspect of it. But, you know, at least try to do something different because you're sort of left with like, okay, well, the plots are the, the plot beats are the same. They're cut by, they're, they're interrupted by music. That's not very music numbers, numbers that generally aren't that great. And then you have, you know, actors who are playing these same characters that, sorry, like, I think for the most part, it's, I don't really know that anyone is besting any of their performances in the original Mm. 2004 one. And so I'm just kind of like, like you said, yeah, like, why are we here? Yeah. And that's, that's something that really, that kind of that kind of really weighed on me um a couple a couple of things about that is that one tina fey wrote it like this it yeah this feels like it's the kind of movie that (laughs) that was born out of you know like the kind of circumstances that i'm sure mean girls 2 was born out of like trying to capitalize on something but for Mm -hmm. tina fey to come back and write this it feels a little bit weird for a, a couple of reasons. One being that what I love about the 2004 movie is that it is a very sharp, very clever, uh, not necessarily deconstruction, but like it's a, it's a sharp and clever look at teen life in 2004. One of the reasons why mm-hmm. I kind of liked it was I was a high schooler in 2004. Like I like it felt like it was a genuine representation of that. Here, this movie is 20 years after that and it kind of just feels like the same thing. And granted, I don't know what high school's like, but I feel like 
it's just transposing the the culture and the everything from 2004 onto this and it just feels like they throw like they throw social media in and it's like okay that's fine uh we can like we'll get away with that but it reminded it made me think of how in uh 21 jump street how freaking clever that was for them to have this culture shock of like not knowing how high school is these days as they're going undercover and like Mm -hmm. Not to say that this this is what this movie should have been, but like it just made me think like twenty years is a long stretch of time between two movies depicting high school. Like I don't think that there is a way for this to be as accurate or as sharp and biting as the original was without doing, like you said, like a Gen Z version of it. Um so it just felt very disconnected from the the pulse of gen z um as i've come to know from tiktok that's the thing is it's like again if (laughs) the second step back what you said like this is the easiest paycheck that tina fey or any screenwriter is ever going to get yep i mean good honor (laughs) love tina fey and i know Mm -hmm. she's doing a lot of touring now too oh like you know uh there's a few kind of there's some extra kind of little one-liners that maybe are a little different a little updated mm-hmm. that sort of thing and so, some that are probably from the musical yeah. and so i'm sure she wrote the musical so it's like so you're basically kind of like copying notes from 2004 <laughs> movie that you wrote and then the musical that you probably co-wrote mm-hmm. you know this is like the easiest whatever amount of money she's ever gonna make yeah oh yeah and like i want to say i wonder i i think her husband may have written the music. Um, mm. Is that her husband? I'm not sure. Um, uh, music. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, um, that like, that's also curious to me because there are like, the music is fine. The music, like there, there's maybe one that stands out one like musical number that stands out. That's, I'm not going to really think about after I, had published on this episode, but it was in the moment pretty good. Like the, like the, the Halloween, uh, the Halloween party one, uh, first of all, Mm -hmm. it's, it's very, it's funny, um, uh, through, throughout that, uh, sequence, but the, the stylistic choice of having like the party just stop and, and, uh, Regina and Aaron Samuels doing their thing. Like that was really cool. That was really interesting, but that's like, the one like standout for me. Um, yeah. And it just, yeah, like you said, it would have played much better on, on streaming um, than in, in the theater for me. Um, yeah. I mean, some of the musical numbers I think are, are staged pretty well. And yeah, some of the music's pretty good. I think I'd rather be me, which is, I'm sorry, the actress who plays the Moana, I'm not mm-hmm. even going to try because you did your best at the top <laughs> of the episode. I think yeah. she's, I think she's very talented. I think she does a pretty good Janice Ian. Again, I don't think it's better than what Lizzie Kaplan is doing in the original. Um, And that's the, like, getting back to that, like, I think this is the sort of movie that really made me appreciate the things that I didn't even realize I appreciated about the original, which Mm. is, like, the casting is impeccable in that movie. And really, I mean, performances, like, this is, uh, Mean Girls, like, what Lindsay Lohan did in that movie, that's almost certainly her best film performance mm-hmm. i mean you know you look at 
where everyone kind of was in their careers, that was the same year as The Notebook. So Rachel McAdams oh, was yeah. still like, yeah. definitely like on the rise. And then uh, Amanda Seyfried obviously had not really gone on to that level yet. Uh, Lacey Sabair, sadly, has not, she's gone the other way, more the yeah. Hallmark movie direction. But yep. I, you know, but look, I mean, she's a great Gretchen Wieners in that role. Like everyone is so well cast in that mm-hmm. movie. Like, Super funny, Tina Fey, you know, as Snowberry, and then uh, you know Tim Meadows, the principal, yeah. who he's he's funnier in the original too. Like, yeah, that was a real bummer seeing him in this, just because not because it's not yeah. good to see Tim Meadows, but I was just like, dude, this stick is so much funnier in the original and it all that. Really so. is, and it's so weird the choices that they make, which I we'll talk, we can talk about that in spoilers later. But like, yeah, the choices between like the character the. Tina Fey and Tim Meadows characters between this movie and the original is like, it's one of like the only like major changes and it just, it falls flat. It's weird. It, it like, it takes all of the comedy out of the original, uh, in regards to yeah, those John Ham is the, is the coach car who coach car is barely in the original. Yeah. Like it's, he's pretty much there for a few lines, like shakes the, uh, a basket of condoms or whatever. Yeah. And that, you know, and it's like, that's, where that character works like you don't yep. need to get john ham for this uh this you know they don't do anything with that right but like yeah just getting back to the whole thing of okay let's just start from scratch we have mm-hmm. the title of the movie mean girls right okay so it's 2024 so what do we do well why don't we sit down and think since the, in the 20 years that have passed what makes girls mean now right like what is the 2020 version the 2424 version of Mean Girls. Like, okay, yeah. well, maybe they're not wearing pink and, you know, being overtly manipulated. Who knows? I mean, look, I don't yeah. I don't know because I'm not the screenwriter, but I'm just saying, right. like, I would surmise that there are a lot of differences or maybe there aren't. And maybe you, you compare and contrast what doesn't change and what has changed. Um, those are the opportunities that you have with this movie. And they just, it, yeah. it really doesn't even try. No, it, it there is no attempt at... It's it was just so not on anyone's radar to do anything different or new. And like I, I mean, I get it. I guess like I appreciate the effort, if I can say that sort of. Um, but it just it just uh, it it didn't it didn't didn't did not work for me. And something that like the very very cynical. Uh, thought that I had during the movie was um, maybe this is the Gen Z version of it. And this is going to be, this is going to be a very cheap shot at uh, (laughs) the beloved social media platform that has grabbed the attention of all of Gen Z. But like throughout the movie, like there were, there were moments that are clearly like they are 100% lifted from the original. Like it is a remake in that, it, there are moments that are uh, spot on, except for maybe a line or two switched around um, that are exactly like the the original movie. And like, I kind of thought like, maybe this is the Gen Z version of it. Because if you go on TikTok, you'll see one trend and then you'll swipe and you'll see that exact same thing over and over and over again with <laughs> slight variations uh meanwhile your uh late 30s uh meanwhile you're in your late 30s and posting about movies and and books and everything and it's getting like 200 views but that's fine um but but no it's it just feels very much like 
if there is like the Gen Z audience for that, I think that the familiarity of it is like it's veering like a little bit into memberberry territory, but it's also like, yeah, let's just do the same thing. And I it works for in terms of the movie being a success, but um but yeah, again, as an aforementioned man in his late thirties, I was not amused. Um <laughs> Well, do well, do people do the does the target audience of this movie enjoy musicals? That I would say. I mean, the marketing department doesn't think that it does, <laughs> that they do. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, right because it's because they keep burying the fact that it's even a yeah. musical. And in fact, they're, of course, the, like opening weekend. Yeah, yeah, and like the like the trailer like licenses an Olivia Rodrigo song instead of instead of doing like you know music from the movie (laughs) like it's it's so weird like that whole trend is weird and i guess it's maybe a little bit warranted because like there was at least one group in my screening that at one point late in the movie when they broke out into another song like i think i heard someone like like a few people in that group like groan derisively (laughs) at it like they were kind of over it um but yeah, yeah, I have to say, this is the point in the podcast where I reveal that I went to the um, on Wednesdays, we wear pink early access screening uh. on the Wednesday. Uh, and so it was literally me and like a row of all these other, you know, high schoolers wearing mm. pink. And I was just like in a <laughs> dark hoodie, probably and mm-hmm. sunglasses. You didn't uh, break out your Barbie intrigued. fit. No, I mean, yes, yeah, I should have. I, I actually wasn't sure. I was like, do I even need to go to the Wednesday screen? That's not mm-hmm. really. And then I still end up going. But uh, yeah, regardless, yeah, it was a similar thing. Well, I think they were excited for the movie. I don't know if they even enjoyed mm-hmm. it. But at one point during one of the musical numbers, someone was like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. And I was just like, I was like, yeah, man, it's yeah. a musical. Like, I didn't <laughs> ask for it to be. I don't think it should be. I'm no. sitting here and I don't think it should be. <laughs> Um, because again, like, I don't think people were clamoring for a musical version of this movie. No. Um, no. so, you know, you're pretty much left with, if, and if you take out the music stuff, you're pretty much left with what you said, kind of people cosplaying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, I think, and Gary Rice, I do, I do think she does. I don't want to say she's doing something super different than what Lindsay Lohan is doing, right. but I think she is evoking, that character quite well at least the more naive version of the character towards the beginning yeah uh spoilers for mean girls so before but when she <laughs> sort of turns plastic in terms of mean mm-hmm. that seems um not as um i don't really buy her as that very much i, <laughs> I mean i think she she does the the nice uh, you know girl next door thing very well i think um you know uh the other actresses i think the other three plastics are are just about copying i mean trying to mm-hmm. do i think renee rap would be the exception i do think she's yeah. she's doing something else i don't know if i necessarily like it better i don't think she's just trying to do rachel mcadams performance but right the other two plastics very much so in fact is it is it baby Be- baby wood whoever plays gretchen in this movie um yeah. is very much has uh Lacey Chabert's like cadence and timbre. Oh yeah, totally down. Oh, for, totally. uh, for Gretchen. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then the other actress. I'm sorry. I need to. I know it's a, a, a mononym. Uh, her name, but Aventika. Aventika uh, playing Karen. 
Um, I, I, I liked, I definitely like some, some stuff that she had going. I do think ultimately it's, it is parroting a lot of what, um, Amanda Seyfried did. And these yeah. were original characters. I mean, oh, in, the, yeah. in the 2004 one, and you, you, you look back and you're just like, oh my God, like, leave it alone. You know, right. it's like oh, the classic, absolutely. like, just leave it. <laughs> yeah. And like, if you're not doing anything different with it, then what's the point? It's just so weird. And I, I think that's their excuse is that, mm-hmm. they're, oh, this is a musical version. And it's like, well, okay, yeah. but try again. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the thing that really bothered me about it is that, I feel like the original Mean Girls was like an hour and 40 minutes, I think, um, mm. if that. And this is two hours, but because it is a musical, I feel like there are so many like small things, like character things that are just omitted from it to accommodate the musical numbers. And like some of it's like put into the musical numbers and it's the musical thing where they're singing what they're feeling and all of that. But like, I feel like there's just a noticeable absence of certain character development, certain character identity, like, like, uh, uh, Gretchen and Karen kind of, they feel like they're doing the, the Lacey Chabert and, uh, Amanda Seyfried thing. But what they did in the original movie was they made like complete characters that had their own like thing in the, in the click. Um, but here it's just like it, like we said, it's cosplaying it, and then you add to that the fact that, uh, that like the entire kind of operation of infiltrating the plastics and getting back at at uh, at Regina um, on behalf of Janice is like it's kind of just going through the motions. There's nothing like like there's a moment in the original Mean Girls where uh, where um, where Katie says something like, yo, I can't make it to your art show because I've got, uh, I've got some, um, uh, plastic sabotage going on tonight. And then Janice is like, well, we don't have anything, you know, planned. And she's like, oh, this is just stuff I'm doing on my own. And like, that is in this movie, but it's more like a, like, oh, I can't go. I'm, I've got this thing going on. And it's like, you, you miss out on like the nuance, if I can say that of the manipulation and the actual like infiltration of the clicks and everything. And because of that, it just feels empty. Um, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't hit as hard. The, the right. moment in this movie where, you know, give me back my pink shirt, you know, mm-hmm. the, the whole falling out that she has, yeah. you know, with, with Janice and, and Damien, it's just like a dud here, whereas yeah. it feels like a real betrayal. And again, a part of that is the way Lizzie Kaplan plays it. Like, yeah. sorry. And again, oh, I have yeah. nothing against the, sorry, the Moana actress. Mm-hmm. I think she's actually good in terms of the music. Okay. Well, this is one thing I mentioned for our review. Just paradoxically, let's just think about this for a second. <laughs> Regina George. Okay. We know what she's about. She feels that she's above music theater people and really everyone in high school. Why would she be belting out show tunes? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like when you it get kind into of doesn't that... make sense that the plastics <laughs> yeah. would be music nerds or yeah. music theater nerds. Um it's you know, and again, tough. that's probably thinking about it too much, but it's like that movie doesn't think about what that would seem like. Because again, this probably yeah. all plays on Broadway. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. But oh, in a yeah. movie, you sort of like people aren't on a stage, like they're just there. And yeah. so in this environment, it's like that doesn't really make sense. No, so. it definitely doesn't. And I think that I think that there can be an argument that, you know, the the musical numbers aren't literally them aren't like right. literal like, like they're, they're not, not literally. Like, yeah. Sure. But 
But also when you have like a movie that seems kind of hollow uh, overall, like those, those like nitpicks are going to come to the surface because like there's nothing else to really latch on to. But um, I do have a couple of things I kind of want to talk about in spoilers. Um, uh, do you want to, do you want to transition over to spoilers for Mean Girls uh, 2024? Yeah, I something I was going to talk about towards the end that, yeah, might be considered a spoiler. So, yeah, okay, definitely. Cool. All right. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and play a clip from the trailer, and then we're going to go into spoilers for Mean Girls. Of course, you can check out Brent's review on awakenthedark.com uh, and follow him on Letterboxd and all that. So I'm going to play a clip from the trailer for Mean Girls 24. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be spoiling this movie and, by extension, the 2004 movie. <laughs> so stay tuned. Yeah. Oh, hell no! Move. Hey, PG-13, please. What was that? Oh, Lord, it's the Queen Bee. Regina George. Don't look her in the eye! You could be really hot if you change, like, everything. All right, so spoilers on for Mean Girls 2024. Um, Brent, is there anything in this movie that you want to go into in spoilers to get us kind of kicked off into this section of it? There's one scene towards the end that is actually a deleted scene in the original. Oh, really? And it's it's um, Katie and Regina meeting at prom and they're in the bathroom. And it's when Regina oh, has all yeah. the headgear and everything. So this is not in the original movie. It's a deleted scene from the original movie. But they include that interaction in this. I actually... So I liked it in this movie. Not necessarily more than the original scene, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I like its inclusion in the story. And actually, that was kind of the point. I was like, okay, I actually really like what Renee Rapp is doing in this scene. Mm-hmm. And she's really drugged up and she said yeah. that several times in the scene. <laughs> but I actually thought there was something about the way she was playing that I really liked. And that ends up being like, of course, like her last scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to say that is something that I like that they included because I think it's a neat story beat that is technically different than the original. And I like the way the the actresses play it. And Gary Rice and Renee Rapp play that moment. So um, I did want to mention that because I don't even know how many people have seen the original know about that scene towards the end. Yeah, like I love the original and I had no idea that that was a deleted scene. That's really interesting. And I do like it in this movie. Um, And I agree wholeheartedly with what you said. Like Renee Rapp, her demeanor in that scene and they they, like it, it really toes that line between like sincerity and drugged up like right like yeah. a high on painkillers uh tone i i like that a lot i like that a lot um yeah yeah and i kind of wish that there was more of things like that <laughs> like more well because that, that's because that is that's a scene that gets at what we're talking about where it's a scene that means something and is also mm-hmm. funny yeah and i'm telling you there are just not a lot of those in this movie especially in comparison to the original oh absolutely and like that was one of the big things for me that um i don't i i we may have touched on this in non-spoilers but one of the big things about this movie that just really annoyed me was that it doesn't really do anything of note to preserve that culture shock that katie has 
coming to public school and being mm-hmm. in in that like there are some fun things that's done with it like the um like that one musical number with them all like like behaving like animals and like that's clever mm-hmm. that's fun but like that's such a big part of the original movie that Katie is viewing it as like like how how to navigate this world socially um, using what she knows. And it just feels like it's just such a forgotten thing in this movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's just that, that part of her character, I think they kind of jettison. Yeah. They just don't really care to go into that. She, she yeah. mostly has a lot of kind of like, I want songs, you know, mm-hmm. and like, that's kind of most of her stuff early on. And yeah, yeah, it doesn't really speak to yeah what where she's coming from, what she's what she's kind of about. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I think Angari Rice does a good a good job with the role, um, but there's just not. Yeah, I mean there there's there, there's not as much to to this character. I totally so. agree. It's just not a lot of substance to it, and there are other parts in the movie that it cuts out certain things about other characters, like. This is so peculiar to me since Tina Fey wrote the movie, but like there, like in the, in the original movie, there's the whole scene where they run into her at at the mall and at the mall she's working. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's such a, that's such a, that's such an interesting and like somewhat like quintessentially teenage experience scene. Like if you see like a teacher outside of school, like that's freaking weird. Um, but like here, it's just like, that's nothing. It's, it's just, there's nothing in there. That scene is not in it. Instead, it's condensed to where like, she says that she's a pusher and like, that's what it, like, that's where that comes into play. And it's just like, it's weird. I don't, I, it just feels just so lifeless to me. Yeah. The dogs barking outside right at my house right now are reminding me of the line that Damien has that, oh, I love seeing a teacher outside of school. It's like seeing a dog on its hind legs, you know, it's <laughs> yes. like, and it is, it's a neat scene. Cause so it's funny. One of the, one of the, I think the, I think probably the best kind of fayism that makes its way mm-hmm. into this movie that I don't know if it's from the musical, but it's not in the original movie is, um, Katie says, oh, oh, I was homeschooled. And uh, Mr. Orberry says, oh, that's a nice way to take shops from my union. That, like, that's that's a zinger. Like, that that's was a great. Funny... I, I like that thing. a lot. It's like, yeah, it's like <laughs> those kind of lines. Like, that's Mean Girls, man. Like, that's, yeah. that movie has a hundred of those. And mm-hmm. I mean, look, maybe you just can't think of a hundred more. I don't know. But I'm just, yeah. those are the kind of glimmers where I'm like, oh, all right, well, she's still got some gas in the tank, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it's just, again, like, that's the challenge. Mm-hmm. That, that's the challenge is if not Tina Fey, and that's fine, then just, ha- you know, try to have someone make it their own, uh, yeah. their own thing. It doesn't, it wouldn't even have to be as funny or it doesn't have to be as good as the original, but just try something that's not just the musical version of the movie that people know. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Like give it to someone who has something to say about like modern teenagers or what have you. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there were a couple of like weird, like sort of anachronistic to the tone, uh, moments like late in the movie where it like flirts with this meta humor thing that's absent in like the rest of the movie. Like, um, like they both kind of work, but it's weird and it stands out like, um, Tina Fey, like she's about to address the, address the students in in the like makeshift assembly and she like starts to sing and then she's like oh sorry i just had to clear my throat and like oh right that was that was fun that's fun and then like 
when all the girls are giving like are sharing like what like apologizing like there's that one that's just she's just like uh so and so i'm i'm sorry i said you were dragging during revenge party um and then like there's i think like tim meadows like looks at tina fans like what what and she's like nothing don't worry about it and i'm like that's funny but like nothing else about this movie is meta to that point like why like it just felt weird i think they're just trying to fill it out with something (laughs) i don't know i just yeah yeah, they're just trying to whatever but um yeah yeah, just kind of trying all sorts of stuff yeah but uh yeah it's just who knows i don't know who it's for no that was the big thing when i was watching this movie is like you know okay it's it's fine to say, you know, oh, it's not for me, you know, a right. mid-30s you know, guy, that's fine. But, <laughs> you know, technically, I shouldn't be, by that token, I shouldn't be enjoying the 2004 one either. Right. And I still watch that movie and still really enjoy it because, yeah. again, it's really, really funny. And it does still have, again, things to say that I do think are sort of just ingrained in how... uh social psychology how that stuff you know kind of you know plays out in high school and beyond so yeah yeah yep it uh, yeah i don't know um it is what it is final final thing about it um the lindsay lohan cameo was mm-hmm. interesting again it kind of flirts with that uh meta stuff too but like that was that was that was nice. I apparently she got a huge payday on it, so that's good. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I know she showed up at the, at the premiere too. She has one line that was I thought was really funny, and I forget what it was. She was I, like, "Oh, I already tried that." Or something. Oh yeah, something it, like it that. Some, she, it was some. It was, it was another. It was like a meta. Joke, yeah, was, the way I, she said it was actually really funny. So, yeah. Uh, at one point, she yeah. says, "This has only ever happened once before." And then, okay, like, maybe it was that. Yeah. yeah. And then after yeah, okay. that, she says something else similar, like something like, I've tried that before, it doesn't work, or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think so. It was maybe both of those. That, yeah. That, yeah. So that yeah. was good. Um, um, that, that yeah. stuff's fun. And yeah, if she got a payday out of it, you yeah. know, good for her. I know there was a whole thing about like um, they wanted to do a commercial and Rachel McAdams oh, yeah, didn't want right. to do it. And, you know, it's like such a weird thing because, like, you know, like Lindsay Lohan you could kind of put it in a big group like Lindsay Lohan and I guess maybe Lacey Chabert kind of, mm-hmm. even though I think both of their career trajectories were pretty different after this movie. Mm-hmm. And then Amanda Seyfried and Rachel McAdams are like, they all four had pretty different careers after this. Yeah. And so I don't know when you get into all this reunion stuff, it's like, I don't know. I don't think you can expect everyone to come back. I don't know what the, I don't know what the yeah. statute of limitations are for a lot of these things. How how right. how long are they tied to these uh, these <laughs> franchises? So all the more reason to make it yeah. its own thing. And oh, you know, yeah. if you want to have a cameo, that's cool. But don't you know? I hope it's not. I hope they didn't. Whatever. They're all millionaires. Who cares? But yeah, I hope they didn't like here. pressure all oh, these yeah. people to you know come back and and you know try to reprise all this stuff. But yeah, I thought totally. the cameo was 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 cute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of cameos, did the original Aaron Samuels have a cameo, or was that something I had, like just invented in my brain? No, I don't. Okay. I, don't I don't think he did. Okay, um, he was in a movie I saw called Snowfalls last year. Okay, uh, that was god awful. He, uh, <laughs> his that actor, I forget his name, but he's probably yeah. in his whatever, probably early forties now. Mm-hmm. Uh, his 
uh like in the movie he's like on facetime or whatever so like you know it's yeah it's such a literally phoned in performance amazing Jesus. Um, i think that that's the dude from uh, better confused. call saul was in it too um oh god uh, whatever his name is um hamlin howard hamlin anyway that the actor yeah. who plays him in the show so both of them had like that's what I I think I I think that might have been what it is. I was probably glib okay. about it. And I was like, I think they paid these actors on cameo to get them <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> like Jesus. like we'll pay you like you know whatever amount of money. You just read these lines and act like you're related that, to our characters. And that was the <laughs> shitty movie that you saw before. Okay, yeah, it's called I, Snowfalls. It's, I think it's very bad. You yeah. had mentioned that in in like the group chat where and I like I I thought that it was. I think I was just scrolling through and I was like. Oh, I guess he's in Mean Girls. Okay. And I thought it that, wouldn't surprise me if they yeah. offered that actor. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I just forget his name to yeah. be in this Mean Girls 2024. Wouldn't surprise me, but um who, who knows? Yeah. yeah. He yeah. might have popped up and I missed him. I don't have no yeah. idea. <laughs> like I was thinking about that because I was like expecting it. And then like I I I at one point I left the theater to go pee and then came back. It was like gone for like 30 seconds. Um and I made sure to just wipe my hands all over everyone's seats um, to nice. save time. Um, but I'm just kidding. I, I wash my hands. But <laughs> <laughs> but like that, uh, I was like, did I miss that? And, and then I was like, immediately, I was just like, okay, I don't really care if I missed it or not. So yeah, it's good to know that he I, doesn't I have to have say too, I'm sorry if I'm objectifying people, but, but you know, the new Aaron Samuels actor, sorry. Not as dreamy, not as dreamy as the original Aaron Samuels. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, I've I've got to agree. I've got to agree. Um, he's got the hair. The 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 mm-hmm. new the actor he's playing with this new one. Like he's got the hair. Not not a bad looking kid, but no. sorry, like not an improvement or, or really even a lateral move. He's uh, from the original Aaron Samuels. He's got at least in my memory. He's got um, a little bit of a Jacob Elordi thing going. Um, yes, I could see that. Yeah. Which complete aside, and then we can go on to the second review. I promise. Um, that anytime, like I see clips from SNL or something from when Jacob Elordi just recently hosted, I guess. Um, in my head, this is so dumb, but in my head, I keep saying, "Oh Lordy, it's Jason Jason Elordi." Um, <laughs> yeah, it's so dumb. I've anyway. actually never said that to myself, so I, but I'm <laughs> probably gonna keep doing that. I just saw a movie. We don't have to go on tangent, but yeah, I saw a <laughs> terrible movie that he was in with a uh, with a. Zachary Quinto and a fake chimpanzee. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I I haven't seen that. Yep. I I'm aware of it. But anytime <laughs> I see it like on Letterboxd or anything, I wanna add Oh man. I wanna add an A to the title because like I he like, went that away. He went that away. <laughs> <laughs> he went that away. It would fit. That nice. would be a fitting title. Um, it was it was it was bad. But yeah. uh but uh, yeah, so Mean <laughs> Girls twenty twenty four is not as bad as he went that way. That's that's good to hear. Good to hear. And of honor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I ended up rating this movie two stars out of five. I I will. It did not diminish the uh, the feelings I have toward the original, and it just didn't do anything for me. So that's what I rated it. Yeah, I was at I was at two and a half. Actually, nice. watching it was i was definitely more negative when i was watching it mm-hmm. but kind of i was kind of i think a bit more charitable in hindsight thinking like okay well like they like th- like these musical numbers like worked and like the way that they put this together sort of worked and i think it was a little more charitable but i it, it doesn't work as a movie overall i, I don't yeah. i think it's hard to 
I mean, hard for me to say that, <laughs> that it does. So. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I agree. So that's Mean Girls 2024. It is currently in theaters. It is uh, kicking butt in theaters, too. Like it's I think it won the weekend uh, this past weekend as of this recording, uh, completely demolishing the International Space Station. Um Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so I mean, good for, good for them. Good for Tina Fey. Um, but yeah, it didn't really do anything for me. So yeah. Um, that is our review of, uh, Mean Girls 2024. Brent, do you want to go into probably a brief ish review of ISS? Yeah, sounds great. All right. I'm going to play the little interstitial to get us into the secondary review, uh, right here. It's just a quick thing. Tell me I view obsessively. There we go. And we're in our secondary review of the evening. Um, The uh, movie is ISS. It is currently in theaters as of this recording, probably not going to be in theaters much longer because it did not do well in uh, the box office. Um, The premise is tensions flare in the near future aboard the International Space Station as a conflict breaks out on Earth, reeling the U.S. and Russian astronauts receive orders from the ground. Take control of the station by any means necessary. Uh, director was Gabriella Cowperthwaite, which I believe, uh, no, this wasn't her, her feature debut. Uh, writer was Nick Schaefer, uh, which I believe this was his first uh, script, I think. Um, cast includes Ariana DeBose, uh, Chris Messina, John Gallagher Jr., Masha Mashkova, uh, Costa Ronan, and Pilo uh, Asbeck. Uh, butchering. I'm so sorry. Um, but that is ISS. Um, Brent, we can go into, we can do a non-spoiler thing. If we want to go into spoilers briefly, we can say that later, but, uh, how did you feel about, uh, ISS? Yeah, overall, I liked it. Um, this is like a, this is a small, small budget kind of sci-fi, uh, sort of you know pressure cooker um yeah pretty much you know six in fact yeah i think there's really only six um actors like yeah. a, a total on screen uh in this movie and yeah you have the three americans three russians and uh yeah i i think it could have i think it could have been a little more ambitious just with i think they do what they can with like the directing and the editing to i think keep things you know, tense, but there was something about it that still just felt a little bit sort of just stale. I don't know if it was in the characterization or just sort of how um, the characters sort of think through the situation. Um, that felt a little bland to me, but I think I think it it works overall. I think this is you've probably seen a few movies like this. Um, the one that I was thinking about quite a bit was uh, Life, which I have yeah. not thought about that movie since. <laughs> right. Um, the sense of thinking of this movie in comparison to it. I think this movie is better than that one. Um, I don't think this movie is better than the press campaign that uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds did for Life. Oh, yeah. Um, but few few movies are better than that. They right. really had a rip in time promoting that movie. Um, <laughs> go back and watch YouTube clips of that if you ever want to, because they're awesome. Anyway, I completely forgot um, about that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh but yeah, ISS, yeah, solid, solid thriller. Um nothing amazing, but yeah, does does the trick, I would say. Yeah, I am kind of in the same league here with that with that thinking. Um I thought that it was 
passable. Um, I ended up rating it three stars, which is pretty, pretty generous. I would say, um, I am someone who is, I don't want to say like predisposed to like these types of movies, but I love science fiction. I love space movies. Um, and this is a specific brand of space thriller that is very popular. Um, it's that isolated, like small, uh, contained, uh, thriller. And like one of my favorite movies of the last now over decade is Alfonso Cuaron's Gravity, which is the, I mean, I think that that's the best way to do this type of movie. Um, and I think that, uh, I guess a lesser example would be life, which those are the two movies that I thought about while watching this movie. Um, and, and this movie does certain things pretty well in terms of keeping the pace going pretty, pretty quickly. Um, but it also feels like a little bit half cooked. Um, in particular, Ariana DeBose, she plays a first time, occupant of the international space station so you get that kind of like very clean like exposition dump of like yeah the russians knock three times and like like i'm i'm the seasoned astronaut here and i'm going to tell you and the audience what you can expect in this so that we can quickly get through that and then get into the suspense but um there are certain things to her character that i feel like were introduced and then kind of abandoned. Um, and it's, it deals with trust in like a pretty mm. significant way. So like, there's a scene like any movie like this has to have like an EVA scene where someone is putting themselves in danger to go do mm -hmm. something on the exterior of the spaceship space thing. Um, and so in that scene, she's telling, Chris Messina, she's like, he's like, he's getting information from her about her backstory, like her, like her history and making conversation while he's doing this dangerous thing. And she says like, oh, this is my backstory. This is what happened. Um, and you know, that's, that's who I am now. Like, that's why I'm who I am now. And like, I'm not going to give away what it is about it, but like, it, it's directly related to, like the issues that crop up in regards to how people on the space station interact and choose to trust or mistrust each other. <laughs> like it's like right. setting up this, t like setting up like the, the, the T ball thing for it to be about her dealing with trust issues and navigating like, like trust issues. And then she's, and then it's like the movie's like, Oh, let's play kickball instead. Um, like it's just so right. weird. I don't know. Did you, yeah, did you I, I, get that? I think that's where to me, I, I hate to, you know, dog on anyone, but I think mm -hmm. that's kind of where the screenplay is like, it's not connecting those dots yeah. where like you want things to be set up and paid off. Um, I think that's kind of where it is. Like, I don't think the dialogue is like, like really bad or anything, no. but I think there's just opportunities to, again, make things kind of cohere with the characters that they just kind of, I don't really think you, they don't bother with. And like, you know, I have to say for like this kind of movie, like, what do you want it to be? You want it to be mm -hmm. clever. Like you want it to be 
you know, like the Martian, like the, the point of that movie is his ingenuity and, yeah. and figuring out how to get out of this situation. I don't want to say this is like a really, I don't think it's like a dumb movie, but I think it could stand to be more clever in terms of like the plotting and how these characters figure out how to navigate through this what is ultimately i mean just it's a human conflict even though mm. it's a sci-fi movie i mean it's it's about you know yeah trust you know that's basically yeah. what it is and they don't trust each other um but yeah it does it does also have those like so you mentioned like the eva scene and it is that yeah. classic thing of like christmas scene is out there it's like well, we've got some time to kill let's develop ariana <laughs> Bo- Bo's character yep. for, for five minutes the, the the part for me that was like that where it's like you get those nuggets of like the space movie is like john gallagher jr his character he's the third american mm. um his character like talking about his two girls back home yes. every five minutes. Every it, five it's like a minutes. war movie. Yeah. You know, it's like how war movies have a lot of tropes. Mm-hmm. You kind of get some of that stuff um with space movies necessarily because it's like people are together, they're in a different place and they have a different mission, you know. So yeah. those war movies and space movies kind of have those similarities. And so that was the one where every time he's like, gotta get back to my girls, man. I'm just like, oh yeah, not your girls. I understand. Like uh yeah so i that Ugh. that one really wore on me and um me too he has some we don't have to get into spoilers but he mm-hmm. has fun character moments later on down the stretch that i did like mm-hmm. um like i like the performances here i think he actually of the three americans he's the one that sort of taps into the john gallagher jr well i don't want to spoil anything whatever <laughs> things that he's done before that i think he does yeah. well um ariana debose solid i don't she's really talented i mm. this feels like a very sort of i don't want to say step back but i mean she i know she can do a lot more than this and i'm yeah. not just talking about singing or dancing but just sorry it's not the most meaty performance based no. role out there and you know chris messina yes he can do the the the, the um american you know you know astronaut commander you know side of things he could do it just fine. I don't know. I, I like Chris Messina to be a lot more uh, cheeky and, you know, charming. Air last year is one that, oh, you know, yeah. he, he he was fun in that. Um, he's a really good in a movie called I Care A Lot, which came out a few years ago oh, with okay. Rosalind Pike and uh, Peter Dinklage. Um, he's not in it a ton, but he his wears a fantastic set of suits in that movie. <laughs> and there's a re- he has some really fun fun to watch really juicy repartee with uh rosamund pike he's trying to basically intimidate her character nice. uh it's a really fun standoff and like i th- i think back to those performances and i'm like he you know he's just not doing that here and it's not his fault it's just it's not that sort of thing so i yeah. uh, you know i think the the actors who are playing the russians i think maybe it's just because i haven't seen them as much and as mm-hmm. much stuff i know one of them is in for all mankind one of them is in uh another uh, prestige show that i haven't seen one's uh, in but, game of thrones right yeah. right and i think oh, one's in the americans too which i still oh, have not okay. finished but i have seen parts of it i mm-hmm. love that show from what i've seen anyway so i do like those actors in this yeah it's like it's a solid movie i just it's just one of those things where i feel like definitely like tighter writing and just developing that concept more i think it could have been a, a lot a lot better. Oh, Stowaway yeah. was another movie I was thinking of while watching this. Oh, this okay. movie is better than Stowaway. Oh, okay. Which See, is I a never got around Anna to Anna Kendrick, Tony Collette Netflix movie that's not good at all. Ooh. That uh, movie, this is a small tangent, but that movie kind of. <laughs> I I never saw it. I wanted to see it because space movies and, and Matt Hurt, they go hand in hand, but I just never got around to it. But like 
there's such a weird thing. Like, I know nothing about Stowaway, but anytime I scroll past it on Netflix, it's like, it's like the the poster, the cover image is just Anna Kendrick in a spacesuit smiling. And I'm like, that doesn't tell me anything about the tone. That feels like very weird. And it's yeah. more like, this has Anna Kendrick. Watch it because of that. Not, don't look up any reviews or anything. Don't look up what it's, what it's about. Just here's Anna hey, Kendrick. Hey, we got Anna Kendrick for a movie. It was <laughs> yeah. like 2021 where Netflix was like, <laughs> we have actors on our platform now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that always sticks out to me. But um, yeah, yeah, this movie just doesn't have much going for it. Even when the kind of tension reaches like the, the like big moments, it feels and again i don't like to to echo what you said i don't want to dogpile on the script but there seems to be some very bad kind of script issues in this like mm-hmm. it's like like you said i don't think that it really connects too many dots too well and that goes for like connect connect the dots of people's um uh actions and and the cause and effect of it just feels like it was a little bit underwritten in certain certain respects but yeah yeah and i mean this director has uh, you know a, a lot of well not a lot necessarily but she kind of comes from the documentary scene she did the oh, yeah. uh the film blackfish which is the, that's that, right that was a you know an expose on sea world uh you know well done um movie so i think that's where like the directing of this i don't really even think like, I think it moves pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, I think it's, you know, in terms of how it's put together, I think it's confidently put together. Um, but yeah, I, talking about it, I do think it's one of those things where it's it's probably just more in the the scripting. I think there just could have been, yeah. um, ju- uh, you know, things that they, they could have written to be quite a bit tighter there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. One thing yeah. I'll point out in terms of visually... I, this maybe I haven't seen enough of these movies. I'm not sure <laughs> the way I won't spoil which characters, but the way that, well, the way that characters move, I think the wire work is just solid. That's what mm-hmm. you have to do with any of these movies, but there's a scene where two characters are fighting. They're mm-hmm. like fist fighting in a module. That's like, a, like, you know, of course no gravity and everything. And I actually really like the way they, it's a very interesting sort of, fight scene because yeah. the way that bodies sort of move it's like a weird it's like punching underwater it's like mm-hmm. a, it has a weird sort of clumsiness to it and it's not meant to be like a crazy action scene or whatever right. but i really liked the way i don't know if it's the actors or how they did it but the movement of it it's weirdly stilted but it's it seems like that's probably how it would be yeah if you were actually trying to do hand-to-hand combat um in a zero g environment so I like that detail of it. It's not something that's like carries on the whole movie, but mm-hmm. um, I thought that was cool. I I agree. That was a pretty unique kind of fight scene. Um, one visual element of it that I that I appreciated and thought went a long way is like I mean this is a like fairly low budget movie, um, but like the kind of inciting incident is them seeing nuclear weapons being you know. Uh, exploded on the earth below them so like mm-hmm. like there's that eva sequence where like they're like w- like there are little bits and pieces in the script that i'm like yeah th- i want more of this because like chris messina's character like he says to ariana debose he's like make sure no one looks out the windows 
Like, do not let anyone look out the windows. And, like, as he's saying that, we see, like, in his, like, behind him is just a scorched earth. And I'm like, that's really compelling. That's really good character stuff. And then it just doesn't really follow through on that or follow through on the whole trust issues thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I do have a couple of things to bring up in spoilers if you want to do a quick, very quick spoiler section. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so we're going to yeah. go into quick spoilers for ISS, um, and then we'll wrap up with a quick potpourri section also, but it, check the show notes for timestamps, all of that. Um, Brent, what did you rate ISS? Did you? Uh, I did three out of five. I think originally mm -hmm. I was at like a three and a half and I sort mm -hmm. of, in hindsight, I was like, I was like, yeah, it's kind of like more of a, more of a three. I think it'll play fine on streaming. If you're into space movies, mm -hmm. um, if you like that stuff, it's, it's better than other ones I've seen. So I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I rated it three stars as well. And, uh, I also wrote a review on obsessiveviewer.com and of course, check out Brent's review on awakenthedark.com. Uh, we're going to go into a quick spoiler section for ISS. I'm going to play a clip from the trailer, check the show notes for timestamps to navigate away from that if you don't want to be spoiled. But here we go. Clip from the trailer for ISS. I mean, I've seen pictures, but this is... We don't talk politics. Here we are. One. Hey, guys. Wait a minute, what the what? hell is going on down there? Oh, whoa. We gotta get out now, guys. Let's get out. Oh, my God. Hey, guys, I'm going to Okay, so spoilers on for ISS. And Brent, one of the things that really kind of uh, bugged me about it was that, it, it, like, yes, the, there are script issues kind of uh, across the board and, and undercooked uh, elements, but, like, it's introduced about probably midway through that the Russians are working on a cure for radiation poisoning or something. And, like... Mm -hmm. That I felt isn't given the attention that it should to to drive the rest of the movie, but also on on the bigger scale of things, what the fuck is the plan? <laughs> like, like right. the entirety is like, oh, they need to get off the station and get back to Earth. And I'm like, where are you going to go? Like what like what is the next step of that? Like you can hope that you'll get like um Sandra Bullock um <laughs> with uh with <laughs> with comms coming back up or whatever but like i i feel like the visual representation of the scorched earth is kind of and and the like presumably lack of uh or limited mobility of the of the of the uh escape pod or whatever is going to make the idea of crashing down on a place that isn't going to destroy you immediately <laughs> minimal like the i don't know that that just felt very frustrating to me yeah i mean that's like that's where i feel like this movie needs some of that the martian mm -hmm. where like and this is not this is a movie about a group of people obviously and i understand that in two groups of people and factions and all that but like that sort of like thought process and like let's think this out that's what i kind of was missing from from this movie um at certain parts so yeah by the end i mean that's sort of the twist well okay i don't want to give away that movie but there's <laughs> there's there's a movie that with two escape pods and they end mm -hmm. up going different places and blah 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 so 
Yeah. So by the end, when we get to this, yeah, it's sort of the idea of like, okay, what kind of earth are they going to return to? And that's an interesting thought. But in process of actually doing it, you're like, are, are they doing the right thing? This seems kind of dumb. Yeah. Because um, the, the movie doesn't follow the, that up like at all. Yeah. And the, the, you mentioned the, that that's something that Ariana DeBose and um, I forget the uh, the actor who's working on it, on the the Russian actor. I think that's one of the Pilo. two male actors. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're working on the thing and she has this whole thing about how, how they how they need to work on it in zero gravity and, and all that stuff and so is the idea that they that both the u.s both u.s and russia will see what they're working on as an asset because they're going to need it because of all the nukes that are flying is that did i put that together I, right or i think that the implication is that that the world is going to need the research to figure out how to save people from radiation exposure, I think. Okay. Um, it's, it's very, very vague. Um, and then also just really quickly, the stupid like mistrust thing of like, Oh, he, it's in the research is in pod zero or whatever. And it's like, Oh, there that is no zero one. thing was such a stupid red herring. It was that did not so need to be dumb. That way. So yeah. incredible. Like, oh, there dumb. is a node zero. She wasn't lying to me. It's like yeah. that's so sitcommy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah, that that's that was where I would just kind of threw up my hands a little bit and I was like, come on. Like couldn't it's, you just say yeah. it was in the letter and it's like node zero? Exactly. Okay, why would she know that? She just got there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Goofy. Yeah. Goofy. One thing I will say that I, I did appreciate is so what I was referring to earlier with John mm -hmm. Gallagher Jr. He 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 goes into creep mode in this movie in ways I've seen him do before. Yeah. And he does a solid job. Ten Cloverfield mm -hmm. Lane is one actually. Yeah. Um, that it's another sort of bottle episode mm -hmm. um sort of movie that he doesn't he's more of a good guy in that movie. He, he gets a lot creepier in this movie in terms of decisions that he makes. Yeah. Um, but they do have a reference there. I mentioned this in my references, in my blurb to the Goldberg variations, uh, mm -hmm. piece, the same one that they do in silence of the lambs. Um, it's mm -hmm. that same aria that, um, Oh you know, yeah. Listening to you when he beats the terrifying scene where he, uh, <laughs> pepper sprays away. Oh my God. So that's still mm -hmm. burned my memory, but it, I believe <laughs> it's the same Aria. Oh, okay. um, so it's a, and he's, and he's like making a sandwich with like a way too big of a knife. John yeah. Gallagher Jr. is in this movie. So it's a fun sort of like, okay, he's like, it's creepy. It's a, it's sort yeah. of borrowed creepiness from silence, but, um, uh, but regardless, I thought that was a fun note. And that's uh, a really good point. I did, I did it, appreciate that scene as, and and as kind of, I don't know if I'd say campy, but like as somewhat over the top as it is for John Gallagher Jr.'s character, just kind of make that switch. First of all, just the fact, like it's 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 not it's not written well <laughs> like it's just like oh my girls i need to get back to my girls and everything it's like okay right. also i don't know and this is this is a cheap shot but i don't know if you caught this but in the beginning of the movie did you get the sense that they don't talk politics on the space station and that they're all just one thing because i feel like maybe mm -hmm. there was five or six lines and there should have been seven um <laughs> That's that's very that's neutral. It's uh, yeah. it's international waters, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, that that's that's one of those concepts. Again, like that's where conceptually the idea that you have, you know, a sort of three on three tribal, like you can draw parallels, yeah. whatever, like all that stuff. Same kind of thing where it's like, okay, the idea that 
people want to stay politically neutral, mm-hmm. but then at the end of the day, their their allegiances pull them back to the, the tribalism. Like that's a that's a fun concept, but yeah. you're again like the closest this movie gets is repeating the same line about yep. that five or six times. You know, it's like yeah, fun ideas. You yeah. know, but it's just like about yeah. And even the even the kind of the push for them to become like to to be like these warring factions is like they just witnessed, you know, like potentially the end of everything below. Um, and like that's enough to to kind of make it maybe maybe make it a little bit of an awkward dinner time for them. But like then they get the they each get the word from their respective governments uh, to take the space station. And like, I kind of wish that there was a little bit more like the movie covers that pretty well in terms of, in terms of uh, demonstrating the kind of the conflict that they have with whether they should, they should follow those orders or just keep, keep things contained or uh, in neutral. Like I wish that that was blown up a little bit more. I wish that that was done more and, and more focused on than, uh, than, than what we got. Yeah. And it sort of sides with the American side. Like we, we yeah. see what Christmas Cena sees, but we don't see what right. the other one, like there is, of course. Yeah. The implicate, like we can infer that, okay, yes, he got the same instructions from Russia, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And they, we do spend a good amount of time with Russian characters, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's meant to be really equal sided. So yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, that's, it's just a just a creative choice, and uh, yeah. yeah, I mean that part's fine. I just, uh, yeah, I I don't know that if this was a real situation with three astronauts and three cosmonauts, I I don't know. I think they would just tell each other and be like, <laughs> "Yeah, this is what I got." Yeah, like, you know, and like it's, it's six of us up here, like, right. what should we do? Yeah. Whereas it, this movie just plays it a different way. It, it plays it as more of a cat and mouse thing. Yeah. But I don't know. That, uh, that was kind of nagging at me in the uh, back mm. of my mind during this movie. Is like, I don't know. I think they would probably just be like, "All right, cards on the table." Like, there's really no reason. Like, again, look down at Earth. Right. Like, our countries are probably both decimated. Like, clearly, yeah. it's a mutually assured destruction down there like how you know how are we gonna think through this like i think that's i i don't think it's unreasonable to think that's probably something about how it would play out yeah yeah and then they also kind of manufacture this whole uh, thing where like the space station was off off its like uh, orbit so it's going to go into the atmosphere and never, like they needed to do something to get it back like that was so vague and it was so breezed over that i in i was just like okay yeah I, I get that there's some kind of significant timetable that they need to do this and i'm just thinking like okay well then why are they killing christmasina <laughs> on his spacewalk and not working together to do this it just doesn't really yeah, i had a feeling muster. that was going to be a sunshine thing with mm-hmm. another you know another better movie oh one of my um, favorites you know where someone would come back you know that's why you know yeah i i knew the christmasina was coming back one way or another mm-hmm. um so so anyway yeah it's uh yeah i i, th- I think yeah. it's i think it's serviceable i still think there's other ones i've seen that are that are worse than it, but I yeah. think there are definitely ones that that are that are better than it. I think it's probably about middle of the pack ish. Yeah, I I agree. It's something I'm not really gonna think much about, but I'm glad that I saw it. It 
it's it, it's sounds like most people yeah. haven't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> it's only been a few, <laughs> right, a few million this past weekend. So I feel yeah, special yeah, for I having mean, seen it. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel bad because like Bleecker Street, like uh, picking this mm -hmm. up. I think this debuted at Cannes or something. Oh, okay. They're probably like wanting. They, they're probably like, oh, well, you know, it's sci-fi thing. Maybe get people out for it, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people weren't biting, so uh, no. I don't know. Maybe on Ugh. Hulu or wherever it streams later this uh, this year, maybe people will catch up with that. I don't know. Yeah, as long as they put like a, a big picture of Christmas Cena smiling on the cover yeah. to get their attention. Strong mustache um, in this movie. Yeah. Oh I, yeah. I, I will not shame the mustache game uh, that you got. Same got going here. On, so. He that man can <laughs> grow some facial hair, and also John Gallagher mm -hmm. Jr. Was a little. It was a little weird seeing him without any facial hair. <laughs> like, yeah, it was. It was strange. Yeah. It was strange. But, uh, but yeah. But that's ISS. It is currently in theaters for a very short amount of time, but uh, probably. And uh, yeah, let us know what you thought. Um, obviously, you can uh, email in at mattobsessiveviewer.com. Also, find Brent on all the social medias and everything. I'll have links in the show notes. Um, Brent, to wind down, do you want to do a very quick potpourri segment for the show, and then we can kind of close it out if you're if you're good with that? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. So. Um, I am gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give mine, and then, and then you can give like a, a potpourri thing uh, to close us out. But I wanted to, like last week on the podcast, that as of this recording, no one's listened to except for Patreon, because uh, it came out today. Check out Patreon.com/slash/obsessiveviewer. Um, but uh, I'm doing something a little bit new with potpourri in uh, as long as I can, since I'm doing weekly installments of Obsessive Viewer, and I'm having guests kind of come in and out and everything. Um, I did this with Sam last week, but this week, um, if you didn't listen to that episode this week, uh, what I'm doing is when I have a guest on, I will, if, assuming that I have the time, I will uh, go on to their Letterboxd and go to their movies watched and sort by highest rated and sort by the ones that are in my watch list. Uh, and so I did that two years and I watched on Criterion Channel, uh, Chungking Express. Um, and it was my first time watching it and I enjoyed it. I don't think I got as much out of it as, uh, as a lot of people, uh, do, which I feel kind of ashamed, uh, for, but, uh, yeah, I thought it was, no uh, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was very good. Um, I wasn't aware that it was like kind of an anthology, uh, like two stories, uh, mm -hmm. And I've got to say the first one, it's also streaming on Max, by the way. Um, the first one didn't really grip me, the police officer and the and the uh, drug underworld lady. Uh, that didn't really grab me all that much. But the second story with the uh, police officer and, uh, and the waitress was was pretty engaging and interesting. And yeah, I, I it, it makes me very interested to see more Wong Kar Wai uh, movies. Cause I like, I am woefully underserved in terms of watching his movies. So I watched Chunking Express. I enjoyed it. Uh, had uh, like, it's, uh, you rated it pretty high. Um, hence why I watched it. How did you, how do you feel about Chunking Express? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great one. Have you, so, uh, so was this your first, uh, one car? Why out of curiosity or I believe it was. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I, I definitely have uh, blind spots for him as well. Um, 2046, I know I uh, was streaming somewhere mm -hmm. and I think I missed it, but that's one I definitely need to see. 
Um, yeah, and the mood for love is still probably my favorite of his, but I, I do nice. love uh Chung King Express. Yeah, it just has such an awesome verve and mm-hmm. uh energy to it. Um, do you have California Dreaming stuck in your head now? Oh yeah, it's it's <laughs> wonderful. That and uh and the other song um that that she sings in it. Uh Dreams? No. Yeah. Yeah, I, there's another one that she does too. Yeah, yeah. I know California Dream. They play a ton in that movie, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great. I mean, I, this is man. I don't even want to make a New Year's resolution for movie <laughs> stuff, but it would be. I'll say it would be cool to watch more stuff on Criterion because I've had mm-hmm. it for years and I really just don't watch nearly enough. The last thing I watched on it was Inland Empire. Oh yeah, which I think had had hit the service last year or sometime. It was like mm-hmm. one of those ones. It was kind of unobtainium. It was just hard to find for a while. It wasn't on, um, wasn't streaming anywhere or and the DVDs. I think the DVD was out of print. So mm-hmm. it's cool for stuff like that. That's like, um, I think not possession. Something else is that way. Something hit it that not possession. It was something else that that wasn't that I still haven't, I haven't seen or anything like the stuff that they bring out that's like out of print DVDs or stuff like that. And it's yeah. like on the service. It's really, really cool. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to do more. I, I don't, it's so, it's so tough. It's so, um, I did watch, so I guess a fire. No, I, no, no, I watched a fire on. Uh, oh yeah. On it has Criterion. like, it's uh, I think it's like, an exclusive we got a screener there. for that, but I ended mm-hmm. up just watching it on Criterion instead. Nice. Um, that was super good. I, I love that movie. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to watch more. I know there's a, uh, speaking of David Lynch, there's a mm-hmm. uh, Lynch Oz it's a documentary that came out oh, last yeah. year that's on Criterion now. Um, that was one that's kind of on my 2023 catch-up list. Nice. So we'll, we'll see if I get to that. That would be really neat. Um, I just know the poster and the title, and I'm going to assume <laughs> it has to do with David Lynch and Wizard of sure. Oz connections. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I mean, I'm in. That, that mm-hmm. works for me. So, uh, so yeah, but that's cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, in the mood for love is definitely one I would mm-hmm. I would recommend as well. It's definitely um, on my list. I was going to try to squeeze that in as well, but uh, I didn't have I didn't have the time to. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, but that's definitely on my list. And in the the song that I was referencing was uh, the Cranberries' uh, "Dreams." Uh, right. that Faye Wong yeah. sings. Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I've talked about it for weeks now at this point. But I am loving Criterion Channel. I got the annual subscription and. Uh, I have a list on Letterboxd that's all the Criterion Channel, all the movies on Criterion Channel that I'm watching uh, throughout the year. So check that out. But um, yeah, anything else that you've watched lately or you're interested in watching before we wrap up? Um, I watched Self-Reliance and liked it. I know you nice. saw it too, and I think you liked it, but mm. we don't have to do like a mini review of that. <laughs> so I'll shout out a... Uh, True crime Netflix series, because of course, why not? Sure. Uh, <laughs> that just came out called uh, American Nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. This is a three episode um, miniseries. This is detailing um, uh, crime investigation uh, that happened in California in uh, 2015. And uh, boy, so basically, there was a kidnapping a, a woman is kidnapped her boyfriend goes to the um goes to the police and you know tells them the details of it and 
this detective pretty much decides that because of the details that he's saying, it seems weird to him. Like they're like that the kidnapper had like a wetsuit on and mm. he blindfolded him with like, with like duct tapes, um, like goggles, like swimming goggles. Oh. There were just details in it that sounded weird to the detective. I'll say sounded weird to him. Okay. Um, <laughs> and he pretty much decides that he's making all this up. The boyfriend who's, whose girlfriend was kidnapped and wow. I'll say that that's probably maybe where I should leave it. Okay. Um, basically, I'll say this for some reason, like the media, the media takes hold of it. The media who didn't understand one of the three lines of the movie Gone Girl. <laughs> and they say this is like the real life Gone Girl that she kidnapped oh, God. herself. So. I'll let you watch the series and decide if that's mm -hmm. actually what happens. But okay, spoiler, it isn't. <laughs> um, and I think it's a, you know, it's three episodes or like 45 minutes long each. I think it's one that if you're not super into true crime, I think the way they break it down in the three chapters, I think it's very palatable. It's a very frustrating story. And mm -hmm. I think it's, for me, I, the sort of takeaways for me are that, um, you know, the media circus thing, you know, if the media yeah. can take something wrong and screw up investigations, they will. Mm -hmm. Nancy Grace is even in this documentary. Or there's Jesus. a clip of her mm. saying, is this like Gone Girl? And it's like, God. dude, Missy Pyle is playing a version of you in Gone Girl. It's <laughs> yes. like you have totally lost the plot. Like you do not understand this is the snake eating its tail. <laughs> um, and it's the classic thing of like, that's what that part of what that movie is about is mm -hmm. how you guys screwed up like you screw around with the court of public opinion yep. and people paid for it. Um, so that's one aspect of it. And another is just the, the classic thing I say about true crime a lot in that just how police investigations are conducted and the need by detectives to have someone, the, 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 the conviction to build a narrative that you have to stand behind it doesn't allow for uncertainty and scrutiny. And mm -hmm. I, I think that pressure, that whatever, you can talk about it sociologically, however you want to say, that it puts on the system that there needs to be an answer, in this case, did a disservice to at least these two people. Wow. Um, and that's tough. I don't know how to square that. I mean, mm -hmm. it's so easy to look at this and say like, this detective screwed up. The FBI gets involved and then you have the, the right. police dealing with the FBI and, and all that stuff. But I don't think it, there's an answer to it. Um, but it's a weird part of the sort of, I guess, justice system that the, the, the need to, I mean, really it's all jumping to conclusions mm -hmm. to say that, to see a situation and follow a hunch and say, this is what I think it is. And I can't, budge on it i have to be certain if i'm a detective and i'm investigating and i have who i think could be the perpetrator i have to take that yeah so it's it's the state of things it's how it's how things are and uh those are kind of the things that it made me think about the most and that there there's someone else in the in the third episode who does do really diligent solid police work Nice. and does do the job well. So I think there's like, I'm glad that that, I say character because it really happened, but <laughs> right. I'm glad that that person is in the documentary and it's like, there is room for doing this, you know, th this thoughtfully and correctly. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, 
they it's not always the detectives really quite frankly screw up this uh miserably and monumentally but uh <laughs> but it makes uh a series like this really uh you know really pop so uh yeah american nightmare it's on uh, netflix it like just came out this year so uh yeah um I had seen ads for it, and I think the filmmakers are the same people that made uh, the Tinder Swindler. Is that right? Do you know? Yes, I think okay. they've done a couple of those sort of like mm-hmm. streaming documentary things. Yeah, yeah. I liked uh, Tinder Swindler. Uh, mm-hmm. I liked saying Tinder Swindler um, <laughs> because <laughs> that's fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but I, I'm very curious to to check that out. So that's interesting. It's American Nightmare. It's on Netflix. Three episode documentary series, true crime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Brent, that brings us to the end of the Obsessive Viewer podcast, episode 413. Uh, I want to say thank you for coming on the show once again and, uh, and, and, and for, uh, lending your time to me. Uh, if you could, uh, tell people where they can find you online and, uh, social media, all that stuff. And of course, links will, uh, will be in the show notes of this episode. So yeah. Uh, where can we find you online? Well, uh, the new thing for 2024 is I'm on Blue Sky (laughs) (laughs) to add to the plethora of other uh, smattering of other uh, social media platforms Mm -hmm. that I'm on. But uh, so I'm on on Blue Sky. I think that one's probably Awake in the Dark Reviews. I'm on uh, Facebook, X, Twitter, X, uh, Threads, uh, Blue Sky, Letterboxd, all of it. Um, Yeah, all those probably best way to navigate to that is... uh, on my site, awakenthedark.com. Yeah, great. And uh, and also, just this is inside baseball, but like you and Andy both uh, do the all the social media stuff for uh, the IFJ, and you do a great job. And I'm very oh, thank um, you. yeah. So so uh, thank you for sharing my my stuff when I throw it out to you guys. So yeah, the uh, Indiana yeah. Film Journalist Association is also on Blue Sky as well. Yes. And that's I think IndieFJA or something. I th- <laughs> think so. so i think that that's right yeah that's uh, the twitter handle as well yeah <laughs> yeah so follow it all all over the place but uh but yeah but brent once again thank you uh for for coming on the show uh it's been a blast and uh and i th- there was something i was going to say but i can't remember oh oh i uh hope you get around to doing the top 10 uh episode uh, uh i'm looking forward to listening to it um yeah so thank you yeah Yeah, hopefully in january yeah we'll see nice (laughs) (laughs) nice all right well i'm gonna start playing us out once again you can find my stuff at obsessiveviewer.com also write into the show at matt at obsessiveviewer.com and uh and check out the patreon patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and my other shows anthology tower junkies uh we'll be back next week with a review of argyle and the beekeeper until then thank you guys so much for listening and brent thank you for joining me Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And now enjoy this short clip from our Patreon exclusive feed. For this and more exclusive content, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. So I did think that that was interesting. That was effective. That was scary. Um, And even when Hugh and Mr. Dudley, who, by the way, I did not mention this last week, but... Uh, Mr. Dudley is played by Robert Longstreet, who I adored his, well, he played Lonnie in Halloween Kills, but he was also like, he's a mainstay of a lot of, um, 
uh, a lot of uh, Jesus uh, Mike Flanagan's work. <laughs> um, he played Barry the Chunk in Doctor Sleep. Thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. This episode was produced and edited by me, Matt Hurt. If you have feedback, thoughts on our reviews, or just want to connect, you can email me at matt at obsessiveviewer.com. For more information on all of our shows, including a full archive of our episodes and show notes, plus plenty of written reviews, visit obsessiveviewer.com. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a follow on social media and subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice so you never miss an episode. Also, consider rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Audible to help increase our visibility and help grow our community. If you want to support the show and help keep us going while getting early access to new episodes as well as a steady stream of exclusive content, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Our theme song is A Little Mad Sometimes by As Good As It Gets. For more of their music, check them out on Spotify and at asgoodasitgetsmusic.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.